This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. You're listening to Talk About Gay Sex Podcast, the weekly podcast that dissects all topics related to gay sexuality with host Steve Rodriguez and his co-hosts Jeremy Ross Lopez and Steve Carpenter. Be sure and visit us at tagspodcast.com. That's T-A-G-S podcast.com, where you can check out our blog, contact us, and subscribe to get updates and more. Now let's get into some gay talk with host Steve Rodriguez. Well, Steve, I'm really excited today because we're bringing on a professional on the show today who's going to... What? I'm not professional? Well, (laughs) in the bedroom. Uh, But he actually is too. So he is a doctor. His name is Dr. Evan Goldstein of um, Bespoke Surgical. Did I say that right? Yeah, you did. Cool. Bespoke Surgical. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great on this... Well... We're doing this on a Friday, TGIF, but... It's a Friday, and the sun's out for a change in New York. It's still freezing, but yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, Let's get right to it. Um, Bespoke Surgical is... Talk about the practice, because you have an office here in New York City, but one in um, Los Angeles, Santa Monica, to be exact. And what I was reading on the website and everything is that... um, It's what, like the word bespoke, it's almost curated, and towards the gay man, right? But can you talk just why you started it in general? Sure. Um, I started to really see that there was a huge need in the community for not only uh, medical services, but surgical services kind of curating to the actual gay male. Um, Mm -hmm. I started to see a lot of clients come to me that had ailments, had a lot of pathologies and issues that would go to um, the mecca of hospitals and Basically, the sensitivities were never met. No one ever asked the questions of, uh, do you engage anally? How do you engage? Are you happy? Are things working? Just Mm -hmm. kind of simple things um, that really mean a lot to our community. Mm -hmm. And I started to say, who's doing this stuff? And the answer is, nobody was doing this stuff. So I said, well, now, you know, I'm a gay male, I'm a surgeon. I think there's a market out there to really not only look at kind of, and we'll get into it over form and function of, of are you able to bottom? Um, what are some of the kind of things that hinder you from bottoming? Um, and kind of really get into the educational component, mm-hmm. but then also really fix people so that if they do want to get, engage in certain practices that they can in a non-biased and non-judgmental way. Well, one of the things you talk about is the importance of having an open and honest doctor-patient relationship. Yes. Um, I think judgmental. Yeah. Well, (laughs) from the doctor perspective, which unfortunately we do see a lot. Well, and one thing, just I, I would argue, men in general, we don't like to go to the the doctor that much. I know I, in the past, haven't liked to go that much. Men in general don't. But then you layer on a gay man and all of our particular concerns, which are obviously different than a straight Mm -hmm. man in some ways. Right. Um, that relationship, you know, and for the longest time, I never wanted to see a gay doctor. I had heard horror stories in the past of, you know, I had one friend back in the day that he would see his doctor and then he'd see his doctor parting. And then one day his doctor died, like I've, from I've, ODing. Uh, yes, yes, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking mm-hmm. about. And I was like, oh yeah, forget it. I'm st- sticking to my straight doctors. But now I'm having a different mindset. And so, See, t- and I come from the other side of that. I mean, I have almost always, and at least since I've been in New York, have had a gay doctor. And you know? you've been happy with that? Yeah, because they know what I'm talking about. They know what I'm referring to, and there, there's no judgment, and there's no, um, you know. They ask questions a little differently, you know, than than a regular, you know, a straight doctor. What I won't say a regular doctor, but a straight doctor, you know, they said, do you, you know, do you participate in anal sex? Yes, you know, uh, do you use condoms? You know, and then most people will say yes. But if you say, do you bareback? That's a little different. Yeah, that's a little different, and that's really what they're getting to. They're not trying to be judgmental, but it sounds well. You use condoms, don't you? That's kind of how it comes across. Yeah, talk about that. You know that importance that you speak of. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I think that we ran a study and a survey of looking um, at do primary care physicians, gay, straight, or not, actually Mm -hmm. ask sexual questions, and about ninety-two percent do not. Right, ninety-two percent. 
do not. Wow. And so, you know, the question of, are you gay or straight? Uh, do you top or bottom? Uh, when you're bottoming, how do you engage? Do you use protection? Do you mm -hmm. not? Um, and kind of just, are you happy? Mm -hmm. I always ask, well, have you ever been asked, like, are you happy with how it performs? Right. Are you, are you, does it, does it, uh, do you get off the way that you want to get off? Are mm -hmm. you doing, and again, it doesn't always have to be, um, kind of specific to the ass, right? right? It could be more emotionally, more mentally. Like, right. are you in a relationship and are you happy? Are you getting what you want? Right. You know? um, one of the things I always say, the cock always wins, right? If you're not getting something that you want, whether you want it in the ass, whether you want it in the mouth, if it's not happening at home, you're going to find it. Exactly. And so the question comes down to is, if you're going to find it, how do you do it in the, the, the least risky way? And how do you kind of analyze your actions? Mm -hmm. And I always say, you know, you look at yourself in the mirror every night and you have to really be honest with who you are. I don't care if you're a fister, great, awesome. Let's talk about it. If mm -hmm. you're someone that in the middle of the night wants to be you know, beaten and, and taken advantage of, great, if that gets that you off. <laughs> that <may be> <laughs> I don't know well, you that well, well yet. We'll talk about that later, but yeah, anyway. But, but again, those acts are fine. And I think that especially in our gay world, it's not, it's never been an open forum where people are just able to be who they are. Mm -hmm. um, and so having my office where you know the door closes and I really couldn't give a shit what you do as long as we talk about it and we mm -hmm. figure out what's the best course of action right. for you. Right. And, and, and right, getting down to it, are you happy? And what you know, does everything work the way you want it to? And if not, how can we fix it? Right. Which is great. You it know? would make going to the doctor much more, you know, Pleasant, I think, if you have yes. that versus you're a number and get in, get out. You, you, Both of you want to seem to get in and out in, yeah. in, in those situations. I think this is so much more. Well, but you, you have to you have to have a doctor you can talk to. Right. You know, you have to have a doctor you can talk to who knows who's not going to be judgmental. Well, you so. sort of align it to like you take care of your car. Right. Dr. <laughs> Goldstein. And yeah. it's like we talk, you know, I'm not a car guy, but I have friends that are mm -hmm. and they'll sit there and talk to the mechanic or the, you know, detailer. Yeah in depth and really go over, you know. I need the, some help with my fuel injection. Yeah, yes. and it's this whole thing. <laughs> exactly. And it's exactly. a car, and yeah. then, you know, some of us go into the doctor's office and, you know, you're tapping your foot. You cannot wait to just get in and get out mm -hmm. and go on with your day, but it's our life and our bodies. So. And then I also think that, you know, the ass is still a sensitive part, even though we all use it. Mm -hmm. um, Literally, you know, yeah. People, you know, you could always see someone coming to my office for the first time. Um, and they're very apprehensive. Right. You can imagine there's a lot of stuff that's going on. And a lot of people, it's taken a long time for them to get actually into my office mm -hmm. where we're able to have really deep, appropriate conversations. And most of the time, it's such a quick fix. The surgical side of what I do is actually mm -hmm. quite easy. Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk about that sure. because I was going to get into it a little bit later. But you perform, um, well, I went to the doctor, this was like two years ago, and my doctor, I had like a little red bump mm -hmm. around my anal area. I'm totally telling TMI on the <laughs> TMI, hello. Like, you know what? <laughs> hopefully, it'll, hopefully it'll help somebody. Yeah. And my doctor, regular, you know, doctor was like, oh, it's probably just, um, I forget, like an anal ward or something. Okay, sure. And then he prescribed something, didn't go away. He's like, oh, it's probably just... Let me just try and get it out here in the office, like with the needle. And, and I was like, ow, ow, ow. He's like, okay, no. And then he said, I think it's an anal abscess. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, great. So he prescribed like a steroid and, and didn't work. And then he finally said he didn't know and sent me off to another surgeon who it was the worst experience I've ever had in an office from... You know, the woman that worked at the front desk from, from the Bronx that she was like not having it and to the horrible waiting room. But, but no, honestly, I went. Don't, don't critique the furniture right now. Well, good. okay. But so I, I get the exam. The, he's this older gentleman. We go into his office that looked like out of Harvard. I mean, it was just like, you know, just not very welcoming. Mm -hmm. And he's like, uh, you have a fistula. Uh, fistula, I think mm -hmm. is the right word. Yeah, sure, fistula. And his prognosis was super grim like the you know these never really these don't they're a lot of work they're very risky to get rid of and I was horrified and left me that way and he did recommend a surgeon who ended up 
I had the surgery. It turned out to be great, all gone. But I didn't even know what a fistula was. And this whole thing was so scary for me up until I got to the surgeon because he was good. But I understand that you work with... Um, that's one of the sur- surgeries sure. you perform. And can you explain what that is, what I had? Yeah, what you had. <laughs> yeah. Um, had. Past tense, tense people. <laughs> His ass is fine right now. Yes. <laughs> the reports are good. Yes. <laughs> so uh, an anal fistula is actually, there are these glands inside, um, about a couple of centimeters inside everyone's ass, even your cat. Do you have a cat? I, had a, I have a dog. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe dog glands. I have a bird. Oh, okay. That's another story. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes the gland actually gets clogged. And okay. for no reason, it just gets clogged. And instead of actually not working, it, it finds it, the fluid finds its way out another way. So the way that it finds kinds of forms a pimple. Mm-hmm. And then the pimple bursts, you know, bursts. And then as it's draining, that it kind of forms a, uh, like a tunnel. So the tunnel is connected actually to the inside. Uh, and so people get kind of a little bit of bleeding, some discharge, mm-hmm. some mucus from that. And it won't go away, right, if you don't deal with it. Correct, right. And it just depends. There's two types. There's what's called the simple one or a complex. Complex one um, specifically goes through a lot of muscle. So again, mm-hmm. going to a straight um, colorectal surgeon, mm-hmm. he doesn't necessarily truly care. I mean, he does, but about the muscle component. But again, in the gay right. world, um, we need all the muscle that we can get, especially from a bottoming perspective. Yes. So there's certain- we, need, we need tightness. Correct. We do need some tightness. <laughs> well, again, there's, it's just the different surgeries that you perform Correct. are based right. on how this tunnel is coming about, right? Correct, and some, right. there's riskier surgeries. Absolutely, yeah. So usually if it's a simple, which probably yours sounded like it was, it was a simple, it was. where you just kind of basically open it up, clean it out, and then it heals yes. on its own. And that's quite easy to perform. But he was telling me you don't know this until, until you go you, in there. Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. So, so there are some... You, you know. There are some other surgeries where if it's complex, where you have to put in a drain um, or you have to do mm-hmm. other procedures to kind of tie things off. Um, fistulas in and of itself, their success rate is not great in terms of any surgery that you do other than what you had, which is the simple fistula. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I do a lot of other things. So a lot of the issues that we uh, you know, see in the office are fissures, tears. So you can imagine mm-hmm. the pressure from sex yes. um, right. causes tears. Um, and so when you're analyzing... Um, our community, you look at two things that usually cause tears. Either someone's skin isn't opening up. Mm-hmm. So let's say so you have to accommodate somebody and they're either larger or beyond your capacity of the skin, mm-hmm. then the skin will tear. And then the same concept of the muscle. Mm-hmm. If your muscle is too tight um, and you're trying to stretch that muscle and it won't go, again, it, it can it cause tear. a tear. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of a lot of it is educating the community on the right ways to bottom. Which you do a lot. But um, I do. A lot. That's most of my practice is trying yeah, to figure so we should out. talk about some of those proper yeah. ways, right? Well, something in, in talking about that too, and you mentioned fisting earlier. Sure. Earlier, so let's put some of this stuff to bed that sure. everyone complains about or or worries about. That if you're fisting, you're never gonna you're never gonna be able to bottom with with a, with a penis again. Correct. Um, and that you will lose control of your bowels. Okay. Yeah, so let's let's talk so, about that. I think that two things that everyone always, you know, immediately raises red to. flag. Oh no, no, no! Right. You know. I think if fisting is done correctly mm-hmm. um, and um, analyzed in the right way and performed the right way, no, you shouldn't necessarily have those issues happen. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, I, I look at bottoming as for people to understand that. of your day, your ass is contracted, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Um, And so it's always tight. So the question is, how do we, just like you go to the gym, if you're doing biceps, the next day you're doing triceps because you want to kind of stretch and relax the bicep muscle. It's Mm -hmm. the same concept of the ass. There are days and there are times that you want to relax the ass, and that's where kind of the butt plugs come into it. Mm -hmm. And then also on the fisting side, if you are kind of taking larger objects, there are days that you need to go to the gym and work that. So, right. or, or at night, put a butt plug in your ass and squeeze around it and mm-hmm. really get that muscle to do the opposite of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So oh, you mean to prepare? To, to not only prepare, no, more of... Like, let's say you, you did fist, right? And he's worried about that, oh, am I going to be too loose? Or right. am I going to be able to? Well, how do we get that muscle to get back to its original form? It's by actually working it out. Mm-hmm. So, again, the opposite. Right. So, there, there, yes, I think that if you're doing things incorrectly, 
So the entry is usually the issue. Mm -hmm. So when you see people have injury from fisting or they're too loose from fisting, Mm -hmm. it's mostly how do people get beyond that initial muscle and how do they do it the right way? Mm -hmm. So if you're just going to take someone's fist and just shove it up there, it ain't going to happen. And the key is how do you kind of maneuver things in the right way Mm -hmm. to now be able to get in position to be able to achieve what you want? Right. So again, I think it's having the education behind the correct mechanics of doing it. Exactly. Um, And then also understanding, okay, if I go beyond the capacity of my muscle there, mm-hmm. what's going to happen to right. me? And how many times can I actually do that without it being permanent? Right. And that's what you, you talk about, a lot yes. of those issues. Yes. And those issues are completely real. I mean, yeah. they do happen. I mean, I see no, a ton absolutely. of people come to the office where there's extra skin, the muscle's mm-hmm. too relaxed, and I need to go in there and I need to remove that skin, recreate that muscle so it's now tighter to give people that sensation back of that they don't always need to go mm-hmm. big. Kind of, a, kind of like a, a retread for a tire. Yeah, exactly. exactly, exactly. <laughs> Back to our cars. <laughs> Back to cars, yes. Exactly. Can you do exercise, like, you know, if you've heard people say Kegel exercises, that which is essentially tightening, if you're just like, I could be tightening my bum right now, totally. or my whole, are those helpful? And yeah. They are. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, so a lot of people that are doing squats and deep lifting and kind of that type I just of, got out of the gym doing those, yes. And, and look, I see the ass is perfect. <laughs> yeah, perky. <laughs> Shut it, Carpenter. I said nothing. But again, I, I see a lot of bodybuilders that um, their ass is too tight because they're never really able to isolate their glutes versus their actual asshole. So when they're working and you're doing squats, you're kind of working your entire glute pelvis area, mm-hmm. but you really need to try and see if you can contract your ass. All right, let's see if you can do this now. <laughs> contract your ass. <laughs> Thank God we're not filming today. <laughs> contract your ass. Oh, and, that's okay. I can film right here. Right. I, got my, I got my camera. Yeah, no comment from the peanut gallery. <laughs> so contract the glutes, but relax the asshole. It's oh. hard to do. It's so hard it's like to doing do two things at once. It's I'm not kind good of, at that. It's, it's super hard to do. Yeah. So again, a lot of times I see the bodybuilders that want a bottom, but they can't because their muscle is way too tight. Oh. So now you take the other side. Let's say somebody's a fister and their muscle's a little bit relaxed, right? Now you can say, how do we do those exercises? So mm-hmm. get to the gym, a lot of squat work, a lot of isolation. Sometimes just at night before you kind of take a shower, put a butt plug in mm-hmm. and squeeze around the butt plug so you're isolating that muscle. Oh. Um, it's no different than any other muscle. It's just that nobody talks about it. Um, and that's the exactly. main issue. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, how well, do we you, are? <laughs> so how do you strengthen it, and how do you mm-hmm. make it what you want to achieve on it? But I think on the other side, it's understanding your limitations too. Exactly. So that's one thing yes. too. Um, one is, you know, you should never have pain. Um, and that takes us to like a lot of people are using numbing lubricants mm-hmm. or poppers or other aspects to kind of relax that. Mm-hmm. And, and the reality is, is that a lot of that leads to injury because people just don't feel the trauma happening. And it's right. a good point you made because I, a long time ago, I was like, oh, numbing, that's a great. But really the word numb in general is, a, I think, a, a negative word. We should never be numbing ourselves of really anything, no, correct? Well, like you're also- emotionally, physically, because we're just sort of masking it. So it well, does make there, sense. There's also a lot of nerves in that area, which can be pleasure, you know, pleasure nerves, you know. But you pleasure can also sensors, be numbing. And, but you're numbing that, so you're, uh, you know, you're also, you can take that pleasure away. You know, a lot of a it degree, is people so. that, that can't either achieve that size, or bottoming in and of itself is not as pleasurable for them. Mm-hmm. And so you can understand why they want to engage in that way, but hopefully with our discussions and a lot of the popular press that we've been kind of pushing, mm-hmm. it's to educate people. I'm, right. I'm all for poppers. If you, that's what gets you off, awesome. But the mm-hmm. reality is, is that you should only use that stuff when you've already achieved that bottoming experience. Right. If you, um, so if you they, need the poppers to loosen up, that's another story. Totally yeah. different situation. Right. right. And, and again, you know, or I at mean, the bars, like, <laughs> that's, that's a different that's a situation. Different story. Too. <laughs> like, why are you doing poppers like now? I mean, yeah, anyway. But, no worries. No worries. Yeah. But, but again, I think that getting back to the fisting component, mm-hmm. yes, there's many ways around it. Um, and again, the main issue is proper technique and mm-hmm. talking about the right ways talking to Talking about it, it. And, and playing with experienced people. Totally. You know, totally. So one more thing yeah. about the fisting before we move on is um, are gloves recommended? Um, and because 
the hand can have bacteria, the nails, and so forth. Can you just address that real quick? Yeah, I mean, I, I think fingers in and of itself really are just bad for play. Um, okay. Simply because, you know, there's so many joints, obviously, in our hands, mm -hmm. and kind of the... the the fail-proof method for most is kind of the plucking technique. <laughs> so what happens is they put it in, and then it kind of, you know, your hand Norton naturally kind of curves. Sure. So when you're pulling things out, mm -hmm. it's not the most ergonomic, and you tear. So fingernails, dirt under the nails, mm -hmm. all of these things can kind of lead to overt infections and right. other issues. We normally have bacteria in our ass. That's mm -hmm. normal. Um, in, a, in our stool is normal bacteria. It's just a matter of... Well, there's good bacteria and bad correct, bacteria. Correct, exactly. So, yeah. so with that being said, you can introduce more bacteria and more issues by doing that. So, I mean, I think gloves in and of itself or just from a hygienic perspective mm -hmm. is a good thing. Right. Um, you know, again, it's every situation. And I think that you just need to be honest with the situation that you're having. If you're not using gloves, okay, how do we make sure that the person's nails are trimmed? Mm -hmm. How do we make sure that you guys wash hands before and after and you're not eating, mm -hmm. you know, going to dinner after. Right. Um, right and all yeah. these certain things where you can kind of look at it and say, how do we just make sure that the risk is the lowest for everybody to engage safely? Mm -hmm. Cool, cool. Well, I feel like we're, we went forward. Or I want to go back a little to just like... That's good, though. Yeah, that's, you no, know, I'm glad we... That's got, great. Um, in terms of you talk a lot about um, cleaning mm -hmm. and like particularly for bottoms, you can do everything from an enema that you buy at the drugstore. We have a a, um, a sponsor, Pure for Men, mm -hmm. which is a fiber-based daily pill you can take with uh, chia seeds, flax seeds, and um, psyllium husk. But mm -hmm. then there's shower douching. Mm -hmm. Can you just kind of talk about those, the safety of those? Sure. Um, I think, you know, the Pure for Men, the Take Two, and, and kind of all of these geared towards our community are really great uh, for us. One is, you know, the reality is, is that most people are actually clean. Mm -hmm. um, if you are pooping regularly, or shitting, I could say on here, right? <laughs> you're shitting regularly, um, and, and, you know, it's formed and you're going, the reality is, is that the location of most people's average size cock is not going to hit the, you know, stool mm -hmm. at all. Um, stool is much higher up. So it's, you know, the irritable bowel people, the people that don't feel comfortable, the people that shit a million times a day, mm -hmm. where you have to say, okay, how do we create a better bowel regimen so that you have formed stool and it comes out all at once or twice during the day? Mm -hmm. And the reality is that most people in that canal, where it's going, is, are going to be clean. Well, and the reason I asked and want you to talk about it is because there's so much, maybe not stigma, but you know, on the apps and when people are looking for tops or whatever, there's such an importance placed on only clean bottoms and you know what I mean? Right. So right. this dialogue that you see, I think puts a lot of fear totally. in a and lot of pressure. guys and that pressure. want to be yeah. and pressure. So maybe they are clean and didn't even need to, but that pressure that you hear and see, you're the reality is guys are going to do all these different techniques. So totally. and I Pure don't think for Men is just fiber in and of itself, so which is fine. But the other ones, maybe talk about those. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think from a douching component, um, you know, the reality is that our culture is purely, you know, uh, a clean culture for mm -hmm. the most part, right? And right. everybody has this phobia of, like, mm -hmm. you know, you have to look the best. Brushing you know, our teeth, you, to, you know, yeah. <laughs> right, you know, and you have yep. to be the cleanest, and yes. your ass needs to be perfect. And right. so, yes, I think externally, your ass should look and feel and smell perfect, right? Especially if you're going to engage. Right. But internally, you know, the more chemicals we put, even the more water we put internally, mm -hmm. the more chance for injury, the more chance for mucus development, the right. more chance for HIV and STD transmission. Mm. So when you look at kind of all of this, it's ingrained in our culture, but how do we um, do it with the least risk? Um, and there's no right answer, unfortunately. Okay. Not yet, at least. Um, in terms of the store-bought, like fleet enemas and all those, they're mm -hmm. purely chemicals. And those are supposed to be used for constipation and right. maybe a couple of times in your lifetime. Mm -hmm. Not Ooh. the average, right. yeah. not the average two and a not half three times, times a week. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. not three times a week. Exactly. Right. right. Not yeah. three times a week. And the same thing. And the reason why is that it kills the cells in the area. Mm -hmm. So you you're, you're achieving clean, yeah, for sure. But what happens is that you don't feel it inside because there are nerve the nerve endings aren't really there, mm -hmm. and you can't see it. But I can see it when I look inside someone that's a chronic doucher, someone that constantly is irrigating. You can see that the cells are just angry. 
and they're and they're and they're inflamed, angry, inflamed, and they're a little bit irritated mm. and a little bit bleeding, and that's the transmission rate. So you can Ooh. see, for especially the raw guys, the people that want to get off in that manner, mm-hmm. now you've cleaned yourself out extensively. You have these kind of chronic ulcerations inside, mm-hmm. and then someone comes and comes inside you, right? And then it's just that transmission that mm-hmm. happens. Right. Um, I think I, you need to change, we need to change the terminology away from douching. It really yeah, should be. such a horrible it, word. It really should be. It it should be we call people douchebags, yes. so, you know. That's another story. <laughs> but, but it really should be more of irrigating, and it should be more of gentle irrigation. Right. Um, you know, See, I like this. See, right? yeah, just like, yes. I don't like when words, certain words I don't like. Have you irrigated today? Yes. Right. Did right. you douche? Right. Yeah, exactly. You are a fucking douche, right? right. Exactly. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you so much. But it really should be more of, and again, people feel the more you put in there, the cleaner you're going to be. No. But that's not... No. That's not the answer. No. The answer is actually less is more. I tell people, especially everybody that's listening, take a test. Go home tonight and take your butt plug and don't clean yourself out at all and use your butt plugs and use your toys and prove to yourself that if you're regular and if you're going to the bathroom normally, that you're actually going to be clean. Because mm-hmm. most of the clients that come to my office, they don't clean themselves out before they come to see me. Mm-hmm. And I would say 95% of the time, they're clean, especially where you know anything you, is going to go. Right. Right. So I think it's part In, of our your culture. Your work area is Correct. clean. My work area is clean. <laughs> and, you know, and again, the fisting component is different. Right. Um, you know, the fisting, again, and we can talk about that in terms of how either people kind of give themselves gentle laxatives to completely clean themselves out so they know that there's nothing beyond mm-hmm. where the fist is going to go or that they're using some type of kind of um, like gut motility agent like Imodium or something to slow themselves down mm-hmm. so that they're now kind of a little bit more constipated so that they know that that area is clean. So I think fisting in and of itself is probably another podcast for, yeah. for us. Right. Yeah, probably, probably right. for us to tackle. We, yeah, right. But, but with that said, you know, it's understanding that there's things that we can take orally, there's things that we can do like kind of, Pure for Men. Correct, like Pure for Men, that was a good plug. <laughs> yes. Um, and, Our and, sponsor. <laughs> um, and then that there's other things that we can do. Shower, douching, mm-hmm. again, water is similar to even the chemicals. When people are using water, mm-hmm. it dehydrates the cells, it causes the cells to have issues you know, surrounding right. that. So with that said, um, you know, again, it's gentle. Most people or use arrogance three to four times in a row, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, it should be less. And less force, less irrigation, um, really don't pretend like it's a big balloon. Don't over-distend it because mm-hmm. that's where you get that looseness over time. What right. happens is, is mm-hmm. that, you know, the muscles don't work anymore. Mm-hmm. And then people become dependent upon douching where mm-hmm. they can't shit normally at all. Right. And they need to do that shower every day in order to get themselves clean. Well, and okay. you also, you know, when talking about bacteria, there is good bacteria, totally. and you flush that out. The know. mucus that he was speaking of, right, yeah, yeah, that can... And you get the bacterial overgrowth where people start getting localized infections, they get fistulas, I'm mm-hmm. not saying you, no, but, right, but, people, but, but STDs and overgrowth right. of bacteria can mm-hmm. actually cause all of those issues. Excellent knowledge here, I like this, this is good. Um, I also um, wanted to talk about lubrication. Mm-hmm. The, um, you talk a little bit about this a lot. Um, are there certain lubricants we should be using, we should always be using, because unlike a vagina, you know. Yeah, there's not a lot of produ- production of, of that yeah, internally. Yeah. yeah, you even encourage people at home to, you know, use your dildo or your yeah, butt plug, 100%. right? 100%, yeah. I mean, I think there's, it's a lot of it is your own choice because mm-hmm. it's what feels really great to you and what lasts longer and kind of also whether or not you want to get, how dirty do you want to get in terms of your sheets and where you're cleaning and all of mm-hmm. that stuff. Right. Um, anytime you're ever using toys, it always has to be either a toy-safe lubricant or a water-based lubricant. Mm-hmm. If you're using silicon on silicon toys, it can actually eat away at the toys. Oh, so you have see, to I didn't just know really, that. Because yeah. yeah, so I always used silicon... What, for the toys and not, you know, right. with condoms so, because I thought they can break the condom. It, it, but it's a combination just, of both. Oh. It's a latex on it and also right. a lot of these toys have some latex component as mm-hmm. well. So you just have to be careful. So again, look for toy safe 
lubricants, yeah. um, or all water-based for the most part are safe. And yeah. again, different it's types. Like the water-based tends to dry out. So, correct. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, totally. So yeah, there, and there the can be the issues. The reason why people on, love silicon is because it like lasts so long. It exactly. stays exactly where yeah, it needs to be. Yeah, but get it on the floor, and <laughs> yeah, you, even your cleaning it. lady will have problems. Yeah, yes. or mine does. But. Yes. Well. Oh. Your cleaning lady knows exactly what she's up against. <laughs> she so. does. This morning she did, yeah. Um, okay, so in general, we should stick to the water-based. Yeah, I think, good... you know, silicon is great for play. So if you're doing anal play and, you're, you know, penetration is happening, silicon is really great. Mm -hmm. Also, especially if you're um, showering, you know, if you're going into the showers or the saunas or things where the water-based stuff is kind of runny. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just not, sometimes it just doesn't, it feels too gooey and goopy, yeah, right? Mm -hmm. right? So the silicon feels really great. It's just using it in the right, um, you know, context, yeah. right? Um, I love, and I think the best, especially from a bottom perspective are those lube shooters the ones that actually put oh. the lube kind of internally mm -hmm. like an injection you know, an injection yes because i got to tell you you know the reason why people come to me a lot is that tops all they give a shit about is sticking the cock in the ass as fast as possible mm -hmm. so so when you're when when you're doing that now the bottom is set up for injury mm -hmm. right but if you, before you engage, let's say you're going to the bathroom, you're cleaning yourself out, um, you go take a piss and you're ready to go out there and engage, if you were to shoot lube kind of up there, it's kind of primed, it's ready. You're and preparing yourself correct. in the pre event. Pre-lubed. Yes, pre-lubed. Because exactly. you are, the bottom is is vulnerable in many ways. Totally. Exactly. I've told oh, yeah. the story on, on this show where you know, the guy just rammed it in me violently and I pushed him away from me, but then I ran to the bathroom and yes, there was blood and I was, you know, we did not continue after that, but maybe had I injected um, with that yeah, the loop shooters are great. Also, you know, there are some um, bottoms that are a little tenuous where the muscles are tighter mm -hmm. and it takes them a little bit while, you know, while to get relaxed. And using butt plugs kind of in confidentiality, mm -hmm. like in your bathroom before you go out and engage or bring it into the sex world is so great because mm -hmm. you're gradually dilating yourself. Mm -hmm. Especially there's some people with big cocks out there, you yes. know, and, and, and to go from nothing. Have them call me. <laughs> <laughs> size queen, size queen. <laughs> to have them, you know, to have them go from nothing to something huge yeah, in right. such a fast time, it just doesn't work like that. No. So the mechanics of understanding your own mm -hmm. ass, mm -hmm. and especially, you know, twinks and smaller pelvises, you know, they're they're expected to take quite large things. And the reality mm -hmm. is, is that sometimes that's just, just not going to happen. happen. Right. No. Wow, wow. Before we get to some more fun stuff, I did want to talk, um, you know, there's been research out there uh, about bottoming and cancer, mm -hmm. it can lead to cancer. I just wanted to know if you had any research knowledge about is this, is there any truth to that? Can you get, uh, can over bottoming lead to cancer? You or? know, I think the reality of from a cancer perspective is the virus called HPV. Right. which is the human papillomavirus. Mm -hmm. And you had spoken that they had thought that it was an anal ward at first. Yes. Um, and then that was not, it was an anal fistula. But the reality is that the cancer risk is from HPV. And okay. HPV in and of itself is such a huge part of our, you know, in, in, inundated in our community. So about yeah, 90, basically if you're having sex. 100%. You know, so there's different types of it, HPV. But, there's <laughs> low risk and there's high risk. When you look at low risk HPV, about 90% of us are going to have low risk HPV. Mm -hmm. And say HPV stands for? A human papillomavirus. It's a skin to skin uh, virus. Most of us have it. So licking, rubbing, playing, doing everything that we normally engage and do, mm -hmm. we transmit it to each other. Right. And, and so, so it's not just from an anal sex perspective. No, or, no, no. But the problem know. is that anal sex is uh, more traumatic. So when you look at bottoms right. with HPV, there's so much more trauma in mm -hmm. that area that the virus actually loves it. Why? Because there's blood and there's mm -hmm. a lot of blood vessels there. Right. And so the virus feeds off of blood. So it's going to create this kind of environment where that's mm -hmm. thriving. Right. And depending upon which types of HPV you have, you can actually develop cancers. Um, and so there's a huge push for the younger population of getting the HPV vaccine, which is called Gardasil. And mm -hmm. anyone, even if you have HPV under the age of 26, should go and get it if you have not. Mm -hmm. um, so there's oh. a huge push for that. And now 
we start to see a huge push even um, for over the age of 26. Um, and so okay. when you look at HIV positive men, mm -hmm. um, if you're HIV positive, um, even if you so-called have HPV, getting the vaccine decreases your cancer risk tremendously. Um, and there's new data that's supporting that. Um, again, we talk about risk assessment. So let's just say you're um, engaging and you come to my office and I do a swab and you don't have high risk HPV, you should also get the vaccine, mm -hmm. even if you're over the age of 26. And the reason why people aren't necessarily doing it is one, they're not educated mm -hmm. um, and or the practitioners aren't educated to right. talk about it, yeah. but also it's expensive. Um, the insurance companies, they're smart. They can't vaccinate the whole fucking world because it's expensive. Mm -hmm. So it's about 200 and something dollars a shot and it's three shots. So, you know, it's $700 for people is, is not... Uh, yeah, but that's not a lot for your sex and health the, life. For your sex and health health life and that's going to cost you a lot less than cancer Absolutely. treatments. Absolutely. So, so, I mean, I think... So who shouldn't get the HPV? Um, I'm a huge proponent of I feel like everybody should. Good. Okay. okay. Well, because <laughs> well, you said below 27 or, in, in, well, it was just, or it was over just, 27 and it's like, okay, then who... Right. So, I mean, I think that if you came to somebody, um, if you came to me in my office and you had all the specific strains of HPV mm -hmm. um, that are in the vaccine and you already have them, then there's question, hey, is the vaccine going to actually do anything for you? Right. Okay. Some people feel as if everyone's been exposed to these. And if you've already been exposed, is the vaccine really going to help you? Mm -hmm. So I think that, but now that we're studying our community and there's a mm -hmm. lot of, you know, great people that are doing a lot of great research, specifically on the gay community, we're mm -hmm. really seeing that a lot of what the heterosexuals are seeing is not what we're seeing. And mm -hmm. that it may actually be uh, you know, great to give the vaccine to everybody. I think Europe in London they just passed that that everyone under the age of forty five should get the vaccine. Wow. So we're we're seeing it more and more, especially in the you know men that have sex with men world, mm -hmm. that there's so much more benefit to a lot of different things. And this is what we talk about: seeing gay practitioners, mm -hmm. seeing gay people that understand the yeah. ins and outs of. of well, here's the other thing world. too: it's with more and more gay men using prep, not using condoms. Correct. You know, they might think that they're preventing HIV, but they're not thinking of this. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, and, or and any of the other STDs. Or of course, you know, but I don't know totally. that we were thinking about um, a lot of those other STDs. Although you're right, and who wants to get those are compatible. Right fairly yeah, but that, easily, uh, uh, but in this particular one, yeah. you might not even know, and no one's really talking about getting this vaccine much until no. now. And so. there's certain things that you could also do, like showering post-sex, even though most people do, the reality is that mm -hmm. it washes away the vaccine. Um, so that's really great. Also, there's... It washes away the vaccine. I mean, sorry, excuse me. It washes away, <laughs> washes away HPV. Okay. Um, oh, sorry, thank you, you know, for you correcting. Know, a nurse, a young friend of mine, nurse, had somebody years ago had said, what's the one thing we're not doing when we have sex? And he says, not sharing after you have sex. Right. And I'm sure we've all been there where it's like, oh, you know, we're of fine. Course. I want to go to sleep. <laughs> I want to go back to watching the whole Netflix. That is one yes, of the best. Yeah, totally. Oh, and, and thank so, you for reminding me of that one. So, so definitely showering post-sex. Also, there's good literature to support using Listerine and kind of gargling in the mouth for 25 seconds mm -hmm. or, or more. Kind of gets rid of STDs, especially obviously us loving oral people. Mm -hmm. um, wow. So so that's another good way to kind of lower people. Running to CVS immediately after the show, <laughs> and it's not CVS's only brand. It was actually the study was oh, really? only Listerine. So okay, I don't okay. Know. so don't cheap you know. out. So, so let's talk to them about being a sponsor. That's exactly <laughs> right. Right. Well, speaking of studies, actually, sure. you did a study of 300 men, gay men, regarding bottoms and tops, and you found in general that the percentage breakdown was fairly even on in those 300 people of where we fall on bottoms and tops. Can yeah. you talk about that study and yeah, yeah, what yeah. you were really looking for? Yeah, we were kind of just really analyzing a lot of uh, kind of the prep stuff of how do people prepare for anal engagement? Mm -hmm. What are certain things? How do we kind of analyze our own community to see where are there specific needs that need to be met? So we were, we were kind of curious of how many people actually do prepare by using a douche? What types of douches are they using? Mm -hmm. um, and then during that, we kind of asked, obviously, many other questions, which are, you know, um, top, who are tops? How do you identify? Um, what, how frequent do you have sex? So it was kind of interesting to see that, you know, 39% of people identified as tops, um, and about 33% verse, and 
29% bottom. So it's kind of, you know, a third, a third, a third, I would yeah. say, of us across Which the board. Which is great, because I think everyone's always, oh, everyone in, you know, was this in New York City or just kind of across? All over the place. You know, everyone's, oh, everyone's a bottom. Yeah. And I, well, New out, York, West Hollywood, you know, it's like, that's, that's kind of what everyone <laughs> well, assumes. I think everyone assumes. <laughs> right, right. But, but, across, but across, yeah, those were good. And then, you know, I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, 39%, about 40% of homosexual men have sex a couple of times a week, you know, mm-hmm. which we, which most people know, about 2.5, or you were saying three. Um, but then 13% report having sex daily. Wow. That's a lot. I want to meet them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely behind on that. Right, <laughs> right. It's pretty amazing, right? Um, and then, you know, in terms of preparation, uh, 42% of gay males responded that they always or frequently did use a douche beforehand. Um, okay. So about half. Half wow. of people do. Okay. Um, and then... Um, uh, 38% rarely or never do, um, said that they never do. And again, you know, you have to correlate with maybe those were the tops, mm-hmm. right? And that they are not doing oh, true. that from right. there, right? So you got to take some of this in sure. kind of stride. Um, 25% of people used water-based enemas, mm-hmm. so straight water-based, followed by um, kind of the saline enemas, about 20%. And mm-hmm. then we were talking about the shower adapters, about 20% of people use the shower adapters to clean themselves. But the interesting thing is about 80% of gay men think about hygiene. Mm-hmm. Always. 80%. Or 80%. Yeah. Always well, think about hygiene, which mm-hmm. we've spoken about. That uh, you know, And only 9% never actually do think about the hygiene component of it. Those are those gamer geeks that happen to be gay. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sorry, gamers, but um, yeah. Um, I was going to say, you're going to get emails. <laughs> uh, we love them. We and, love then, them. and then we spoke about um, you know, the post-sex cleaning. Yes. About 60% of gay men said that they would feel more comfortable if they clean themselves post-sex. They just mm-hmm. feel cleaner right. after the fact if they're kind of using not only a douche, but then also showering, which is kind of interesting. It's probably a good practice, I think. Obviously, now we know yeah. for... HPV right. and so forth, and it's um, you know probably a good practice if you're barebacking, right? You know? I think yeah, I mean, I, again, I think that there's the question just comes down to is from a product perspective mm-hmm. is now if you're douching after you're now douched before you're douching after you're using more of those kind of chemical right, products. Exactly. So I think right. that, you know, and in due time, believe me, there will be products that support our community. Um, and so, uh, you know, I can only go there right yes, now. Exactly. Um, but, but in mm-hmm. terms of, so it's kind of a stay tuned, but I think that mm-hmm. once we kind of, I was going to say, it sounds like you're leading up to something. But. <laughs> um, once we have kind of the products to substantiate it, I think that then it'll be kind of universal. Good. Um, and then, you know, some other stuff which was interesting was that 40% of gay men always use a condom. Mm-hmm. Um, and then about 21% um, occasionally do. And then 16% said that they, they never do. Um, only 16. Only 16. Mm, interesting. Um, you know, which was kind of interesting. Um, and then about 40% of gay men said that they experienced at some point damage and tearing from mm-hmm. anal sex, which is, you know, close to half of us, um, oh. which, which wow. is definitely... Uh, Definitely a, a big number. Yeah. And other than that, I think the last was that from a sex toys perspective is that about 50% do not use sex toys for anal sex, which mm-hmm. you know I'm a huge proponent of. Of using. And, of using, just even if it's not necessarily from a pleasure perspective, using it more from a dilating perspective. As an exercise tool. As an exercise tool, exactly. So go out to Fort Trough on our site and get some of those toys, people. Yes, <laughs> and, and, and you've got a homework assignment from us tonight. That's yes. it, that's it, that's <laughs> it. And it should be a fun one. Yeah, it should be a fun one. Yeah. But you just gotta be careful with the toys, make sure yes. you use them correctly. Use them correctly, um, make right. sure you're properly lubricated. That's exactly Water-based it. is best. And then, mm-hmm. and then just be careful with the butt plugs. A lot of the plugs, people feel like you're supposed to leave those in Mm-hmm. Um, and so people love putting them in. I don't know. Do you have one in now? I don't. I'm, I'm a little scared. For a change, them. you don't really. I don't. No, I have. No, I'll tell you offline another story later. But yeah. So people love to put them in, right? And mm-hmm. now they have these um, wi- tails. They, no, and then now they have these Wi-Fi connected. Oh yes, Bluetooth we talked ones. about those. Where you can like zap you zap your like lover. The top can zap. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. it's a pretty amazing. But it's like problem, oh, he's thinking about me. Totally. <laughs> but the problem is, is that um, you get swelling around. So you know, you yeah. put it in, and then the muscle goes around it. And then what happens is, some people have a hard time getting them out. Mm-hmm. And then, or in order to get them out, you have to really pull. Yeah. And then you can tear, cause hemorrhoids, you can right. cause a lot of problems. Would so, that be the same of those anal? 
anal beads that so you same see. concept you know just the anal beads are a little bit less from a size perspective unless you're I mean I don't know do you put in huge beads or what I don't I'm Show a me where scared. they are I know I have my toy box in the back but yeah, he needs to inspect all of them yeah <laughs> Yes, for the after show. Yes, yes, yes. absolutely. Um, I'm not filming that. <laughs> no, um, but bef- we definitely have to also before you leave talk about the the fun stuff that you do, or at least it's seemingly fun. Sure. The cosmetic sure. procedures that you perform. I didn't even know that this was could be done, but you do anal Botox, sure. yeah. which is Botox around the ass to tighten, I'm assuming? So a couple of things. So um, there's different kind of modalities of using Botox. So there's tops that are out there that want a bottom, but they just can't. Mm-hmm. And some of their muscles are just kind of too tight or they're just there's not a lot of relaxation. So um, using anal Botox allows for that muscle in the area to relax. Mm-hmm. Really? Um, because in general, Botox tightens. No, not necessarily. No, it no, relaxes Botox, the muscle. Oh, it relaxes the muscle. You're right, yes. But the skin looks tightened, right? So the muscle right. underneath. So we're using it from a muscular perspective. Mm-hmm. No, I know you're thinking of it, but you're not going to shit on the street if I give you Botox. <laughs> a lot of people come in, they're like, but I don't want to shit on the street. The answer is no, you're not. Um, where we give the Botox is in certain muscles, mm-hmm. not all of the muscles. Um, but what it does is it allows for really good relaxation so that you can start to dilate and start to engage. Mm-hmm. Also, people that like like uh, we spoke about smaller pelvises. Um, we spoke about people that are taking bigger objects. Um, mm-hmm. I see a lot of clients that come to me that say, my newest partner is so huge that mm-hmm. I just can't take him. So giving Botox into the skin or into the muscle line mm-hmm. allows for just enough relaxation for people to achieve. Same thing with fisting component. Just the entry component. Right. Um, and then on the other side, from a cosmetic perspective, you know, people come to me with extra skin in the area, skin mm-hmm. tags or hemorrhoids or just things that just kind of take that pucker away that people you know, right. want. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can kind of recreate that. So removing the extra skin, removing um, the tags that are there, mm-hmm. removing the hemorrhoids, the fissures, the tears, kind of cleaning it up mm-hmm. in a certain way that one gives that pucker an aesthetic, but then also gives them the ability to engage the way that they want to. A, a lot of the bottoming game is the mental component. Oh. You know? um, and again, if you have a little tag on your ass and someone's going to lick it, people, you know, right. sometimes, you know, when someone says, what the fuck is that? Yes. You know, you look at it you're like, God, and you become so self conscious. Oh, you it. definitely do. Yeah. So, so I think it's even a, when I had that fistula, fistula totally. it's hard to say that word, but it really just looked like a little pimple, like right. you described it. But even that is can be, you know, can mess with your head or totally. somebody, you know what I mean? So Totally. And I remember some of my clients would even go to the big wigs of the big hospitals here and mm-hmm. one of the guys would say, well, what do you give a shit what it looks like? And the answer is, exactly. you know, yeah, yeah, we really do care what it looks yeah, like. Exactly. Um, and, and that's or it just a, takes one person to point it out in a negative way and yeah. there you go. Totally, you know? totally. Yeah. Well, and you care what it looks like. Fuck you. I, you know, I, <laughs> I, 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 I want a pretty hole. <laughs> totally. And then, and then Botox is... Fuck really, off. Yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah. off. I want a pretty hole. Exactly. And then Botox is is used in, in a lot of the work that I do because you can imagine if I cut your ass, you're, you're, it hurts, but also the muscle becomes really tight because mm-hmm. it doesn't want to relax because when it relaxes, it fucking hurts, right? So if I give mm-hmm. Botox in those clients, what happens is I take away that reflex of squeezing and tightening. So right. now you're able to relax so when you shit, it's not as painful. Mm-hmm. And then also, as you start using the butt plugs and are getting back to engaging and bottoming, mm-hmm. that you're already dilated. You know, the Botox is already because it lasts about three to six months. So, you know, usual okay. two months of recovery post my surgery mm-hmm. and then after that the next three to four months you're kind of stretching and dilating and getting mm-hmm. people back to where they should. Wow. I yeah. feel like we just got a <laughs> plethora of well, super but you knowledgeable. Know, what's so great about this is this, no one talks about this. No one talks about this. I mean, our show talks about the stuff that no one talks about, but here we have a physician right. who is, you know, explaining everything in grave detail, and I think it's extremely helpful. I think it's wonderful. No, thank this you. This has been awesome. I know you have an office here in New York sure. and in Santa Monica, California. Are Actually, you t- it's in Beverly Hills. Sorry, Beverly Hills, Close. of course. Got that wrong. <laughs> um, are you still taking new clients? Yeah, totally, totally. So, um, And um, I know that insurance-wise, you don't take... Mo- how, explain that. Yeah, no, we, we take insurance policies. Um, the goal, you know, you know, the nice thing is that insurance does cover this work. So, okay, great. Um, well, that's yeah, so that's better. quite good. good. Um, you know, hemorrhoids, skin tags, fissures, it's all kind of 
pathology driven, which mm-hmm. the insurance will cover. Good. So that's quite good. And we work with people. I do a lot of Medicaid and kind of self-pay components mm-hmm. yep. where we knock down prices and kind of do pro bono work. So the goal for me is to help the community. And I've always kind of awesome. scratch mine, I scratch your back and things like that. And mm-hmm. so the, yep. the, the world goes around. I mean, it always comes in full circle. Yep. So for me, it's, awesome. uh, it's just trying to kind of get this out there. And that's why we're doing a lot of popular press pieces. We do a lot of, and I'll just plug kind of our Instagram Please, and my social gonna... team and, and the kind of my PR team. Um, you know, uh, we use a lot of social outlets to kind of talk mm-hmm. about these issues. So especially with Instagram, Monday we do kind of Monday myths where we go over certain things about what people think, like mm-hmm. the fisting component, right. stuff like that. And I do it on, on Medium. We have a blog called Tales from the Tale, which just goes over <laughs> kind of Tales interesting stories of where people come into my office with a lot of interesting tales. That's for sure. Um, oh, I'm so, sure. Yes. And so, uh, you know, we talk about I, I, that. I have a story for you for one of those. <laughs> so, good. yeah. That's no, good. Uh, yeah. You got more than one, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So, the tales from I do the tale. And then on Thursdays, we do a lot of different um, kind of where people engage from our community. So, they'll write to us and tell us kind of questions that they want to ask uh, about. And again, middle America, it's hard. You know, I see a lot oh, of clients fly yeah. in to New York or LA to see me because there's nobody out there that's really providing this type no. of care. No, um, right. And so, you know, we do a lot of Skype consultations. Yes, I can look at your ass on Skype. You know, it's funny. I always go out to dinner and then usually someone emails me a picture of their ass and my kids are like, Daddy, Daddy, what's that? <laughs> oh, my God. I <laughs> love it. It's so funny. I said, oh, don't worry. I was like, don't They're worry. Don't worry. It's, just, it's just work. <laughs> So, so, you know, I think the Insta and the social and everything that we're doing, hopefully over mm-hmm. time, especially with, you know, you guys in the podcast world, will we'll, uh, kind of really take away the judgment, take away the bias, and have That's people talking about Open it. Open dialogue. In, yeah. yeah. What is yeah. the Instagram? Yeah, so it's Bespoke Surgical. Um, on there, you have the Instagram, Facebook, you know, and through... Um, just even our website has tons and tons of information Bes- from there. Bespokesurgical.com. Yeah, bespokesurgical.com. And then if you want to just follow me, Dr. Evan Goldstein on Insta, you can see my life with my children and all that twins, stuff. Twins, six-year-old yeah, twins. Yeah. Oh, my God. Adorable. Identical twin yeah. boys. Oh, oh, my God. Sometimes, sometimes adorable. You sometimes got your hands full. <laughs> Dr. Evan Goldstein, this has been amazing. Uh, thank, thank you, you so I feel much. so enlightened, and I yes. hope our audience has been as well. Yeah. Um, thank you. No, thank, thank you, you so come much. Back sometime. Yeah, totally. Oh, absolutely. Any, any could, we could do we could do a regular thing practically. Absolutely. You know? Totally. Just, that sounds yeah. great. Anytime. Yeah. If you have questions, you could always kind of call in. I'm curious to hear your tale. From yes, I will tell you. <laughs> I will tell you. And yes. Yeah, so, but in the meantime, follow us at Talk About Gay Sex, and don't forget your homework assignment. Yep. You're supposed to wear a butt plug or you know, try a butt plug without cleaning yeah, and, exactly, do a test, exactly. and do a test and see if it's clean when you're done. That's exactly right. Absolutely. And enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Have, have a good time. Yeah. Thank you, Carpenter. Certainly. And in the meantime, they should continue what? Having, Having hot, hot gay, gay sex. sex. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to Talk About Gay Sex Podcast. Don't forget, you can go to tagspodcast.com. That's T-A-G-S podcast.com. Where you can subscribe to us to get all your updates and don't forget to follow us on all social media platforms at talk about gay sex see you next time